Jesus says, this is written in red, that means that Jesus said it. We quoted it, verse 12. After he told us that we are blessed in a whole lot of things that don't really make a lot of sense, he says this. When people persecute you, insult you, mock you, and lie about you, rejoice. You remember that old song, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. I, I went, that was my first experience with Pentecost. I didn't have time to share this in first service. I, I didn't even know, but I went to a, a, a little Rama church, living word in Minden, Louisiana. My parents, I grew up, I won't tell you what denomination, but it was missionary. It rhymes with Baptist. And, uh, and I grew up in that church. And, and you know, some, some, every now and then somebody would clap. But for the most part, you know, it was, eh, it was no clapping. Like there was standing and turning pages to certain numbers in this book called a hymnal, right? And then I walked into this church and they're like, rejoice in the Lord always. And this woman takes off running. I'm like, she got to go, man. <laughs> man, when they got to use the bathroom here, they take off, man. She don't play. I guess it hits you. You got to go when you got to go, you know. Well, then, and, and this song, and it just keeps saying, again, I say, again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. I'm like, 25 minutes into this song, it's like, this is the song that never ends. <laughs> So it goes on and for Jesus. Anyway, so I'm, I'm into the, like, I, all right, I, I'm, I can flow a little bit. I clap, you know. I start out, I worship Jesus. My fish is this big, you know, and like carrying a TV. You know, I got a little bold and like touchdown. Yeah, so <laughs> I just stole that from Tim Hawkins. And then all of a sudden, like my former junior high basketball coach, he's preaching that morning and he got excited and he took off. And I was like, I'm going too. It's my first experience, so I take off. And then and everybody's watching, nobody cares because I guess they've seen him run before, but I called him. I was like, hey, this, this is my kind of church. Like, we got running competitions in the middle of worship going. So, so I, I catch up with him. He gets back up on the platform. He starts preaching again, and I'm standing over to the side. And, and I'm just, I mean, I'm just jazzed up now. You know, they're still playing that same song. And I'm like, man, I, I think I can do a backflip. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got in the Holy Ghost right there. I was right there in the front of the church. I was looking at Roddy. Roddy was looking at me, and I went for it. Whoo! <laughs> Y'all, I landed on my knees <laughs> in the front of that church. I jumped back up. Rejoice in the Lord! <laughs> Roddy fell down on the ground laughing at me. That's why we don't do that here. Like, <laughs> I can't afford that insurance, people trying to do backflips in the Holy Ghost. Like, that ain't... <laughs> that's... That has nothing to do with anything. Rejoice, right? I'm sure I was persecuted about something that week. I mean, it's a biblical, don't take off running, don't do a backflip, but <laughs> rejoice and be glad. Yay, people are persecuting me. I'm being lied about and insulted and, and they're comment, um, commenting about me because they're, they're keyboard gangsters. You know, they're real tough when nobody's around and they can just post whatever they want to. For great is your reward in... Not tomorrow, not even later this day. Like right here, right now, it's not going to feel the right way. Because the high road always feels like the low road. Come on, it feels like being trampled underfoot is what it feels like. But great is the reward in heaven.
And I thought of this illustration this past week as somebody was asking me about some things that they were going through. And we were sitting in our living room and, and my wife had me buy this giant floral, it's not floral, it's not flowers. No, she's shaking her head. I did not have you buy flowers. Floral, our chairs aren't even floral. They're camouflage. That's what we decided. Anyway, so we had this giant rug and it's got all of these designs, right? And colors and, and stuff in it and on it. And it's so cool. And I was like, hey, look, so if you will consider with me like this giant tapestry of a rug, that's eternity. Okay, and then I took a pen and I, I took the top off and I put it down in one of the darker places on the rug. And, I, and she's like, did you just write on my rug? I was like, first of all, it's my rug too, okay? First of all, trying to do an illustration. I didn't say any of that, but that's, I have a microphone now and she's stuck down there and she can't hit me in front of y'all. So it's, I stuck, and I was like, it's just a little. And I put that pin down in between the fibers of that rug and I looked back up and I said, this represents your life compared to eternity. This represents the temporary pain, the temporary suffering. <clears throat> like I know it's hard while we're here. I know it's frustrating when you've done everything right and nothing works out. But Jesus didn't promise that everything was just gonna go well for you. He actually promised the opposite. What he promised was it's not going to go well, but even when it's not going well, I am with you. And then he says in this passage, hey, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be very glad because your reward is not found in this speck of the life that you are living. Eternity is a lot longer. It's a lot bolder. It's a lot more fulfilling. And what you will receive on the other side will be worth what you are going through on this side. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, again I say, rejoice. Be careful how you judge people's praise when you don't know what kind of persecution they may be going through. They're and their shout may be long, louder than their pain. Rejoice. For so they persecuted the prophets and put me in that category. I'll ride with those guys and those ladies. And then we get to verse 13. And now in my Bible, I, I have an English Standard Version. They don't all do this, but... In my Bible, there's actually a, a subtitle between verse 12 and verse 13, as if we're like, we're going to a new part of the passage. And, and I get why, it, why it's there. It says in my Bible, salt and light. There may be this subtitle. I get why it's there, I, but I don't think that we're supposed to begin a new thought. Like, I don't think that Jesus was like, okay, that was point number one. Now, point number two. I think that Jesus, in fact, I believe it's, it's important that we specify this is actually a continuation of what he was just communicating. Are you with me? I'm not making you laugh anymore. I lost some of you. This is a, this is a continuation of what Jesus was just communicating in the Beatitudes. And then he says, for you are the salt of the earth. But, man, why has he always got a... Why can't I, I just want a feel-good gospel? Yeah, I just want a sweet Jesus, gentle Jesus. 
That guy that made the whip and ran people out. Yes. That guy that uh, took the soul out of Ananias and Sapphira for lying about their offering. We should do that next week. <laughs> That's not church growth 101 there, Peter. I don't know if you knew that. You can't just start killing people because they didn't give what you wanted them to. Anyways, all right. You are the salt of the earth, but... If salt has lost its taste, then how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. If you're taking notes with me today, write this down, or it's on the back of your bulletin, and you can begin to put points or take your own notes. Stay blessed, stay salty. This is not a separate thought. Jesus is continuing his communication. That if we stay blessed, we stay in him, and we stay in the blessing, then the salt of the earth will be found in the Savior of the earth. And, and we don't get to decide when we want to abide. Come on, somebody. We have to choose to abide no matter what is going on around us. Now, this is a little quirky of me, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, do, we have, do we have any, you're, you're the person, you learn by pictures. Where are my picture people? Like, okay, yeah, that's okay. My wife is that way. It's okay. You can raise your hands in church. It's actually biblically recommended that you do so. Um, <laughs> not in the, never mind. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, where's my, but you're an audio learner, like you, you listen, and, 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 and that's kind of me. Um, I do that as well. I actually, and Megan, this drives Megan and my sister crazy, um, and I thought it was a gift, and I, would, I felt really good about it, <clears throat> but I, I have an impeccable ability. I'm not being sarcastic. Megan says I, people have a hard time telling when I'm being serious or when I'm being sarcastic. It's a serious moment. Um, I, I actually am really good at, like, looking at something and remembering it for a short amount of time. Like I can memorize it. Like I don't have to study a whole lot. Like I could just go to class, take notes, night before the test, look over it, remember it, regurgitate it, and then move on with life. Like I was really good at tests. It drove Kelsey crazy because she had to study and, and I was like, she was like, don't you have a test tomorrow? Yeah, so what's the, have a, always a, anyway, so I can do that. And I felt really good about it. And then I learned that's actually like the lowest level of learning <laughs> that you <laughs> I felt so good about this gift, you know, but, but short-term memory is like the lowest level of memorization. I was like, that, whatever, I still made a better grade than her. Anyway, so I'm, I'm actually, like, I like list. It's what something me and Miss Connie have in common. Some people are audio, some people are visual, you know, I, some people are remember illustrations. We'll give you one of those today. Some people are pictures, and then some people are like me, and you learn in list. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you a picture of a list. <laughs> and then I'm going to say it out loud. And everybody's going to learn it in the name of Jesus. All right, here's the picture of the list. This is a graphic that Micah made of all nine Beatitudes. Right? This is, this is you can, yeah, it, I don't know. I don't even know if this is going to work. I just wanted you to see it. Because I believe that Jesus is giving us a list. I believe that Jesus is giving us a list, hear me, of things that are going to happen in our lives. 
And every single one of these things that happens are actually the blessing of God when they take place as long as we handle them the way that Jesus would handle them. And when you handle them the way that God would handle them, then you begin to walk in the promise that God has for you. That's better preaching than what y'all... When you handle this the way that Jesus would handle it, then you begin to walk in what God has for you. And so Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the whole earth, the things money can't buy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice, for they will be fulfilled. Wouldn't it be nice to live a fulfilled life? I see way too many frustrated followers of Jesus. They're just frustrated. They're trying to follow him, but they're frustrated. That's because you're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things. And you will never find fulfillment in those things. Only he can satisfy. Come on, somebody. That is the promise of God, that when you hunger and thirst, you're fulfilled. When you're merciful, you will be shown mercy. When you're pure in heart, you will see God. When you're peacemakers, you're children of God. You're persecuted. You walk in the kingdom of heaven. And even when people lie and mock you, you, there is a great reward on the other side if I think Jesus is showing us that you're blessed when this happens and this is the promise that follows and then he gets down to the bottom of this explanation and he says and you are the salt of the earth but man I thought it was just all this good news you're the salt of the earth, but if you lose your flavor, then you're tossed out and it's worthless. Here's what he's saying. Come on, you got to hone in. What he's saying is all this stuff you just went through, you were blessed while you were in it. But how you respond determines whether you stay blessed on the other side of it. And you are the salt of the earth. Whenever you stay in the blessing, you stay salty. But when you step out of the blessing, you, when you leave the blessing, you lose your flavor. These things are going to happen. And you're blessed as long as you abide in Christ. You're not blessed. Come on, please catch this. You're not blessed because of what's happening. You're blessed because of who you're with while it happens. You're blessed because of who is with you, no matter what happens. This is the blessing of God. I, I believe that God is saying, if you do this, then you're promised this. As long as you stay in the blessing, then this is your reward and this is the promise. And every beatitude is the promise of blessing. Every beatitude. Jesus gave us a list of nine things that are a promise of blessing for the people who abide. Because this is significant. I believe that the blessing of God follows the obedience of the child. In fact, I will even go as far as to say, because I, I've really studied this out. I, and I could be wrong. Somebody else may preach this differently, but, but flow with me here. Maybe this isn't a biblical absolute, but it's my interpretation. 
I actually believe that the blessing of God is dependent upon the obedience of the child. David opens the book of Psalms. Hundreds of Psalms compiled together. The first one says, blessed is he who... And then he begins to give a list of what not to do and what to do instead. And then we know that we're told by another person who walks in the wisdom of the Lord that we should commit our plans to the Lord and we will succeed in all of our ways. Why? Because when you commit and you obey, then the blessing of God follows the commitment and the obedience. And then just to make sure that this wasn't an Old Testament principle, James comes in in James chapter 1 verse 25, and this is one of my life verses that I caught, and he says, you're not just blessed if you hear but you're blessed when you do this one will be blessed in all that they do because we understand come on that we obey catch this it's a reciprocation of relationship that we obey because we're blessed are you with me some people are looking around you got to catch this I obey because I'm blessed and it's not or No, it's and. I obey because I'm blessed and I'm blessed because I obey. Last night, Megan asked one of our children to go go make coffee. Oh, it's not my turn. So-and-so made coffee last week. I went to work last week. Go make my coffee. (laughs) And the child obeyed. And she was blessed. Oh, I just narrowed it down to two. I didn't mean to tell on them. She was blessed because she obeyed. But she obeyed because she was blessed. You see the relational aspect of what Jesus is saying? He's saying, hey, listen, I know what you're going to go through. I went through it because I knew that you would too. And he was tempted in every way. But unlike us, he was without sin. So he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's why he says, you have to abide in me. John writes so many different times in John chapter 1, in John chapter 8, in John chapter 12, 14 and 16. He says over and over again, we have to abide in Christ. We have to continue in his word. We must, Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. He was saying, those who love me will keep my word. They will obey Obedience will be a byproduct of blessing, and blessing will be a byproduct of obedience. But you can't have either one without the other one. So blessed is he who, and then he gives us this list, and all these promises that follow is, and he gets down to the bottom and says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt lost its taste, when we were discussing the the taste of uh, and the saltiness that I believe God wants us to walk in. Pastor Dylan pointed out the scripture. Many of you are familiar with the, the taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes, sometimes you, you just got to taste and see. And then Megan reminded me of the time that, that Pastor Weston and Kelsey, when they first moved here and they were trying to sell their house in Fairhope and, and find a house here because, side note, Following Jesus will never make sense for you financially. Following Jesus 
will never make sense for you. The details will not work out until after you make the decision. I'm telling you right now. But afterwards, taste and see. That's what they did. And so I actually, I actually really like, some of you are going to be like, what is he talking? Just hang in here. I actually really like cabbage. Um, fried in bacon grease. Come on, somebody. I mean, you could put anything in bacon grease. That made me spiritual right there. That made me want to preach. And so I really like cabbage. I like it boiled. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I like a lot of things with bacon, but I like cabbage. I even, I even like the mini cabbage, you know, like the Brussels sprouts. I told Megan, so she bought some. And, and I was like, you like cabbage, you like Brussels sprouts. And she ate the Brussels sprouts. She's like, these are not, these are green aspirin. They do not taste. So I was like, they're bite-sized cabbage. It's like God decided for all the cabbage lovers here, I'm going to give you cabbage nuggets. And you can just, you can just bite-sized cabbage. They're so good. How do you not like them? She's like, they're not good. They're bitter. I tried them. I tasted and I saw and they're not good. All right, so Pastor West. Weston is living, and Pastor Weston, he, his, we're going to make fun of him because he's um, on vacation, on his way home from vacation today, um, and he probably won't watch this. We'll see if he does, right? <laughs> Don't tell him. Don't tell him. All right, so, so he's at our house, and, and I know that he doesn't like vegetables because he ate what he wanted to eat because... Retta, his mama, Miss Loretta, she just let him, he was the golden child. Anyway, so he, he ate, but then he was staying at our house, so I was like, hey, listen, my house, my rules. <laughs> so you're going to try this cabbage. And he's like, dude, bro, for real, like, I don't like it. I was like, how do you know? You've never tried it this way. And he's like, I'm telling you, I don't like it. I was like, okay, I'm telling you, you're going to try it. And <laughs> guys, he put that cabbage in his, and it is similar to like the time that I was in this little manata, which is like a, a mud hut with animal poo mixed with grass, put together with water and dried out in Kenya. And I was in this place and, and they were burning logs in the mud hut. And so basically it was like, like a poop smoke is what it was. It was coming up and they were bowling. They were so gracious. This sweet mama there was bowling us some tea in the poop smoke. And the missionary was like, you have to drink it. And I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't have to drink it. He's like, no, no, you have to drink it. And you like, it's, it's a sign of respect. She made this for us. Like she used the milk and I was like, where'd the milk come from, bro? So you know what? Never mind. Don't tell me where the milk came from. I don't want to know. I don't want to know where the milk came. She's like, just try it. I was like, I don't, I don't want to try it, okay? You, anyway, so I, I was like, mmm, mmm. <laughs> so good. Bless the Lord on oh my soul and all that is within me. Uh, I'm going to walk outside for a minute, though. And So thank you. And for the rest of the day, I was sick. It may have just been in my head, but some of it was in my stomach. I'm telling you, it was, it was a bad deal. Pastor Weston's eating the cabbage, okay? And he's like, mm-hmm. And I was like, stop it. It's cabbage. I mean, you would have thought, Megan told me not to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you would have thought I put a loogie on a fork and shoved it down. And he's like, boom, boom. Like, swallow the cabbage. I can't, I can't, I can't. Now, swallow the cabbage. You are, you are 30-year-old man. Swallow the cabbage. I can't, boom, boom. I can't do it. He just couldn't do it. <laughs> Some things don't taste good. <laughs> Even if they're good for you, they still just don't taste good. But then some things surprise you. Like when I was in elementary school, and we did this taste test, and I go down to the cafeteria. This was branded in my memory. And they walk out with this plate full of what looks like furry eggs. 
Now listen, I don't know much about food at this point in my life, but I have learned that if it has hair on it, you don't put it in your mouth. Like you pick it up, oh, that's got hair on it. Nope, that's no good. I'm not going to eat that one. Five second rule does not apply to somebody else's human hair and or any kind of fuzz. Like I'm good, you know, I got cash, I'll buy something else. So they bring me this, this brown fuzzy egg and they're like, you're going to try this. I'm like, to heaven I am. I ain't trying that. That's not, you know, you're going to try it. It was a kiwi. You heard of these little death bombs? They come out, and then they're like, no, Chris, you have to try. You have to taste and see. They're like, I don't want to. My mom doesn't make me. I don't want, I'm going to call my mom. She's going to come up here. Y'all are all going to be in trouble. I'm telling you right now. And so then they cut it open, and I was like, well, maybe it's better on the inside. It's not. No, really, it's not. On the inside, it looks like it's green mucus with dirty seeds around it. That's what, and they're like, okay, try it. No, I'm gonna put it on the fork, you're gonna put it in my mouth. I'm gonna stab you with a fork, is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> finally, after this big thing, I, was, I finally tried it, and I was like, mm, mm. oh, it's good, it's good. Well, then I grew up, and I thought, I remember this game, now I have children. So I got some brown fuzzy eggs, put them on a plate. Come on, <laughs> And my kids were like, oh, what is that? I was like, it's a death bomb. We're going to try it together. It's going to be amazing. I cut it open like, whoa, what is wrong with I don't want it. I don't want it. You have to taste it. My house, my rules. <laughs> then they taste it and, and, and they saw. Like I said, listen, you got to trust me. You have to trust me. It's good. You're going to like it. And so they tasted and they saw, and, and here's the point of all of that, besides just re-engaging all the people that were asleep. Sometimes you just have to trust God. You're not, you, you can't trust what's happening. You can't trust the people, the policies, the politics. All of those things will let you down, but he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And there, there, there are just some days that no matter what happens, you have to trust your heavenly father. I'm telling, I stand here as nothing more today. I'm actually not standing, I'm pacing back and forth, but you know what I mean. I am nothing more than a 38 year old testimony of the goodness of God. Because in February of 2006, I came to a place where I said, God, I've tried it my way. I'm ready to do it yours. And the last almost 15 years of my life, have been nothing more than tasting and seeing that the Lord, he's good. He's so good. And Blaine didn't even know I was going to preach this. And he gets up here and he talks about following Jesus and the goodness and the mercy of God following you. You're never stuck between a rock and a hard place. You are following the rock and the goodness of heaven is right on your tail. As long as you stay blessed. But whether you stay blessed or not is not dependent upon what happens. It's dependent upon how we respond to what happens and sometimes we just have to taste and see that the Lord is good and we have to trust our heavenly father. That Kiwi surprised me. And I've been sharing that story. I don't have time to tell you how many times my heavenly father has surprised me. 
And it's those moments that made me and I begin to share with other people. Number two, and this is my final point today, stay blessed in the light. This passage continues. Remember, this is, this is not a transitional thought. It, it's not a new sentence. This is Jesus, I, listen, I believe giving us a recipe of nine things that are gonna happen, but ways that you're gonna be blessed and promises that are gonna follow as long as you abide in him and stay in the blessing. Because why? Because you are the salt of the earth. But if you get out of the blessing, you become flavorless and you, and you lose your purpose. And here's where he continues his thought, verse 14, because you, you are the light of the world. He doesn't just say that I am the light. He says you are. Like, guys, God doesn't have a plan B for spreading the gospel across this community. It's us. God doesn't have a plan B for saving Louisiana. It's the church. He doesn't have a plan B for revival to break out across this nation and around the world. Revival is sitting in our bank account. Revival is burning in our hearts and the question is not who do we believe in? The question is what are we gonna do about who we believe in? Because Jesus says you, you are the light of the world on the pipeline. You are the light of the world way out in the ocean. You are the light of the world at the fire station, police station. You are the light of the world in the classroom. I know, says the Lord, how bad this city has become. I know what these young people are into. That's why I put you in the school, the greatest mission field in the entire earth. I know how bad it is for them at home. That's why I put you there. I know how little they have. That's why we have the health fair. You are the light of the world. You are God's plan for what you're complaining about. I didn't preach it this way in first service. This is for somebody here. He doesn't have another plan. Hear me. When the church is gone, hell breaks loose. When the people of God are gone, the grace is removed. And we see what it would really be like with no remnant of people still praying. We see what it would really be like with no remnant of people still serving, sharing the gospel and shining the light of God to whoever he puts in their path. Oh, pastor, I, I, do, I, don't, I can't be a small group leader. I, I just don't speak well in front of, can you not invite somebody along in your journey? You don't know how to disciple somebody? Or are you just saying you're not willing to try? Because those are two different things. You, you're the light. They may never come meet with me. They may never come to this service, but God put you in their lives because you are the light. And they're not impressed by how you handle everything working out so well. 
They're impressed when hell breaks loose all around you, but it does not affect the kingdom inside of you. That's what makes the difference. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Come on, do you see the continuation? Because you're the salt and you're the light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15 says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. You don't light a candle and hide it. I heard another preacher say this week, the psalmist points out that the men and women of God are the candle of the Lord. Come on, God lit a, he lit a fire in you when he saved your soul from eternal damnation. Come on, you're a candle that God put in this culture. The darkness and the evil. Yeah, no, he lit a candle and he put it in you and then he put you out there. Don't cover it up and don't let Satan fit out. Yeah, come on somebody, I grew up in Sunday school. Why? Because a city on a hill has got to shine. You don't put a lamp under a basket, you put it on a stand. And I think it's time that the candle of the Lord begins to be placed on a stand. In the midst of the persecution, stand. And then the Bible says, and it gives light to all in the house. I'm gonna do this illustration. I want the cameras to follow me. I'm gonna use my wife in this service. Don't you, ugh, at me. Submit yourselves one to another. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ. All right, so that's not even in the message. Come over here with me. Come here. Come here. It's not going to work as well with Tanner. I don't know if you've noticed, but Tanner and I aren't married. Okay, so I want you to turn out the light. This is what the devil's trying to do to marriage in this culture. Hold on, not just marriage, the bride of Christ. The enemy wants you to complacently, casually blend in with the rest of society. But God is saying, you are the light. I don't have another plan. You're the light. I've given it to you. He's not a spotlight standing on a hill. You are the light. Listen, Megan is not a big fan of walking around in the woods in the dark and neither am I but as long as I have a light as long as the light stays with me and the light of God is for me then the light of God continues to shine and it is up to God if the light begins to fade to make it come back on again but it is my responsibility to do whatever the light tells me to do. So as long as I walk where God has for me to walk, then I stay in the blessing, I stay blessed, I walk in the promise, and God does what only God can do, even if it becomes faint for a moment, as long as I follow the light, he uses me to accomplish his will for him. That's the purpose of his plan for our lives. It's an illustration of what it means to be the light of the world and to accomplish the will of God. Verse 16 says it this way, in the same way, 
Because the last time I checked, we all serve the same God. Hear me, however you interpret the scripture, don't you ever hold me to a higher accountability than you hold yourself. I will answer for how I lead people, but so will you. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see what? We're not saved by works. Oh, I know that. We're saved by grace, not of works. I get it. But we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. So Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give the glory to God the Father who is in heaven, by the way, waiting to give the righteous their reward. I'm going to share this with you, then I'm going to pray. On occasion, I like to catch an Instagram clip, or like the highlight of somebody else's sermon. I like guys like Jenison Franklin, and I don't mind Furtick. I just don't watch him because all of y'all do, and then I can't re-preach it. So anyways, uh, um, I like another guy named Robert Madu. Some of you may follow him. I highly recommend that you do if you don't. Uh, he was for years an evangelist. He's a Southwestern Assembly of God University graduate. Um, he, he came out of the Assemblies of God, and God is using him in, in powerful ways. I mean, he's growing and glowing across this land. and He travels all over the United States, and, and he'll go in different places, and he says, people will ask him, Oh, Robert, how, how man, it's, you're, you live in Texas? Yeah, I live in Texas. How, how do you handle the heat? In fact, evangelist and pastor Peter Reeves was at our campground in Alexandria. He lives in Michigan. Shout out, Joel and April, so glad to have you here today. We support them monthly as missionaries. They do an incredible job of organizing crusades. And Joel, Joel's from, I think from Michigan originally. Yeah, they live in Oklahoma now because he's smart. And uh, anyways, but Peter was from Michigan. He's like, bro, it is hot down here. I was like, really? I haven't noticed, you know? Just wait till you see the mosquitoes. Come on, come hang out with us. You're gonna really be impressed when you meet the mosquitoes around here. You're like, you'll sweat to your last drop and then a mosquito will come and suck the blood out of you. It's amazing. It's gonna be a great, this is, this is how we live, right? Wonderful. So anyways, Pastor Robert, his people ask you, man, how do you, how do you handle, how do you deal with the heat? It's so hot. And he says, I, I mean, um, I, have, I have this thing called air conditioning. It's how we handle the heat. We go inside because inside we have air conditioning. And I'm not going to preach it as well as he does, but I'm going to try. He then took that and compared it to my, like, I have a lot of life verse. I have a lot of verses that I love, but it's one of the verses that stood out to me more than any other verse. It's Philippians chapter four, verse 11, where Paul says, I am always content, no matter my circumstances. Robert Madu then took that and said, as I have AC on the inside that protects me from the heat on the outside, Paul said, I am always content. 
I have AC on the inside of me that it doesn't matter what the enemy does or does not do all around me because I am blessed to be a blessing. I will abide in Christ. I have learned to be always content no matter my circumstances. And the next verse is not about self-glory. It's not about dances and gymnastics and academics and touchdowns and home runs. It is about learning to be a believer in the worst of conditions because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength beyond my circumstance. I'm blessed. So rejoice because you are the salt and you are the light and God doesn't have another plan if his people don't let the light shine.